Father, we come in the name of Jesus. We ask you that you would take uh, this earthen vessel and that you would do something supernatural today, something that could not be attributed in any shape or form to the earthen vessel, but has to be attributed to the Holy Spirit, the Bible. There's some people sitting in this room, no doubt, and probably some watching on or will watch on through the Internet that desperately need to get this truth today. That literally their outcome will be changed for good or bad, whether they get it or don't get it. Thank you for your word. Thank you for giving us a heads up. Thank you for warning us of the pitfalls and troubles that could overtake us. Save us in Jesus' name. Amen. The title of the message is Preacher, How Did I Get Here? Preacher, How Did I Get Here? Years ago in my counseling, I've had some interesting examples of counseling. If I, if I give examples of counseling, usually they're old and the people are no longer here or they're dead or they've moved on, and I never, ever, ever give names or or situations where you can figure out who I'm talking about. So I want to tell you I don't violate confidentiality on any of that. Uh, years ago, and it was years ago, in my counseling, a middle-aged man came in to talk to me. He was rough looking. His teeth were in bad shape with many cavities, and, and that, I don't know if that bothers you, but that bothers me. I see somebody's teeth and they're full of cavities. That just bothers me. I'm like, yeah, that's, that's pretty easily fixed. His clothes were disheveled. His body looked worn for a middle-aged guy, way past his age. He sat down and made an appointment with me, sat down and began to tell me his story. And he told, as he told me his story, personally, I was amazed. The man had been an executive of a large corporation. And in the 1980s, he had been making six figures. That's over 100,000. Six figures in the 80s. Now, six figures today may be different than in the 80s, no doubt. Uh, he, had been he was married and had a nice wife and child. And everything seemed to be going the boy's way. Um. One day he had been tempted and people had been mentioning to him how phenomenal cocaine was. How it was better than anything they'd ever experienced by a hundred times. By a hundred times. And he began to think about it. And he thought, you know, I can do it once. I can do it once. And this came right out of here. It was just his story. So he did cocaine once. And with the cocaine, he educated me, by the way. I've been educated. I'm supposed to be simple to that which is evil. And I really am. I don't know what goes on in the darkness of the night. But sometimes people come into my office and they educate me on what goes on in the darkness. And he said, Pastor Lytell, he said, uh, 
cocaine and immorality go together. They're not alone. Nobody does cocaine without immorality. That's why you do cocaine. It's because of the immorality that follows. And I'm being, I've cleaned that up as much as I can. He said, after a few days, usually he said three days of binging, he would be so worn out, so messed up, that he would have to stop. He realized that he was destroying himself. I mean, but he did say it was a hundred times, it was a hundred times better than anything he'd ever done. And I want you to remember that because that's going to come back. He said, man, I'm just never going to do that again. I just, you cannot do that. I mean, he was smart enough to know you can't keep doing that. If you do that, that's not, the things are going to fall and fail in your life. It's just too hard on your body. Immoral, of course, adultery on his wife. And, but it wasn't long, he said, before there was like this little voice that kept coming back in his head telling him how good it was. Because he got back into his daily mode, his daily mode. I don't know if, if, if you have this, but I don't get up always feeling good. And every day is not just, woohoo! And uh, his days after the cocaine actually had turned worse. And he wasn't feeling as good as he had been feeling, but that little voice kept playing out. Man, that was good. Man, that was good. That was good. It just kept playing out. Pretty soon, he binged again. Another three-day binge, drugs and strange women, as the Bible calls them. The Bible uses the word strange women. It's, kind, it's the kindest word probably you can use for a very immoral, ungodly woman. But that's what it uses. And so he began to do this about every four or five months, he said at the beginning. About every four or five months, he'd go into these three-day binges of immorality and drugs. So pretty soon, he was an absolutely hopeless slave. He was bound by the invisible cords, but he was bound. He was chained with pleasure. Now, that seems a strange statement because everybody likes pleasure. People like pleasure. They eat for pleasure. They do lots of things for pleasure. And God's made pleasurable eating, if you do it in a balanced way. He's made pleasurable a cold glass of water in a hot day. So all pleasure is not bad until it becomes your God. And then it's idolatry. And the Bible says in the end times, men will love pleasure more than they love God. I wonder where we're at. And so, he quit because he was chained with his pleasure. By the way, uh, I know this from experience. Uh, I had an allergy problem years ago where I would have an itch break out on the top of my foot. And uh, I would begin to itch that thing. And the more you itched it, the more it wanted to be itched. And so the more you itch it, you go to a doctor, they help you out. Don't itch it. That helps you a lot. I know I know, they got nothing else to say, but that's what they say. Don't itch it. And I go, Doc, 
You have to itch it. It takes over your mind. It's all that you can think about. I never, it's called puritis. I never knew how bad, how horrible, how torturesome an itch could be. I mean, my arms would itch to wear so bad I'd, I'd break the skin. and I wrapped them with elastic tape to try somehow about if I put pressure on them, it would help some. So I'd, laugh. I'd go to bed at night with both of my arms elastic taped because I, I would rip the skin off of them. I'm serious. It's called puritis. It comes along with a thing called polycythemia vera. And uh, I, told, I used to beg God to keep me up at night, couldn't sleep. I was tortured with something that was extremely pleasurable because scratching an itch is tremendously pleasurable. I mean, I can't tell you how good it was. It was about as good as anything I ever had. That's the problem. So he said to me, Bill, Pastor, I quit. That's why I quit taking care of my teeth. He says, because of cocaine and what I got involved in, I got divorced from my wife, lost my kid, lost that good job I had. And here I am in your office, and I'm broken, and I'm defeated. He said, preacher, how did I get here? That was quite a journey. The Bible tells us how we got there. Take your Bibles. And if you don't take them, remember this, because you got this verse has been memorized by one of our memory verses for the men on, on uh, Sunday night. Jimmy Nod, I think, already did this. James chapter 1, verse 13, 16 said, Let no man say when he's tempted, I'm tempted of God, for God cannot be tempted with evil, neither tempteth he any man. But every man, how many? Every man is tempted, and that's men and women. When, he's, when he is drawn away of his own lust and enticed, a naked woman, a beautiful, shapely naked woman, can walk right in front of a man if he doesn't have lust. The problem is we do. But Adam had Eve, which is probably the finest looking woman ever on the planet, walked in front of him totally naked, and the Bible says they did not know it. It's because of innocence. They didn't have the old, wicked, evil, lusty nature. And so it's your lust. Don't blame, I mean, no doubt, no doubt about it, in the days uh, where we're at with, with the evil nature, when a, women are somewhat responsible not to entice men because men are already weak in this area of lust, especially visual lust, and women walk around as if men don't have a problem with visual lust. But we do, in this room, we have a group of men that have problems with visual lust. And you women should not be dressing to where it would excite that or entertain that. You say, you want us to dress in burlap bags? No. Don't go over the edge on me. 
you know, don't go over the edge on me. But you shouldn't wear shrink wrap, too high, too low, backless, sideless, enticing clothes. You will be held responsible for that by God. But the majority of the responsibility is in the one looking. That's what the Bible says. We're led away of our own lusts and enticed. That is some deep truth there. I'm not going to stay any longer there. This is what I want to focus on this morning, verse 15. Then when lust hath conceived, and that's, it's like birth, conception is birth. Conception. When lust hath conceived, it bringeth forth. That's like birth. So it's conceived. And then it's birth bringeth forth what? Sin. What is sin? According to 1 John 3, 4, sin is a violation of the law. Sin is a violation of God's law. Whether you know this or not, there is a law that God has written. And he's going to hold everybody up to his standards. Whether you know it or not. And he said... And sin, when it is finished, bringeth forth death. This is the process right here. Lust, sin, sin when it's finished, because there's a process that it goes through, comes out and ends in death. Death is not pretty. And look at verse 16. Do not err, my beloved brethren. That's what I tell you this morning. Don't err in this area. And this is why I'm doing this today. I want to drive one nail this morning, just one, just one nail. I want a sharp point of this truth to go into your brain and to pierce through into the long-term memory. That's my prayer before God. Sin, when it is finished, bringeth forth death. Nothing Good is going to come out of sin. It may feel good. Cocaine felt good at the moment. Gave excitement at the moment. Gave a hundred times normal pleasure at the moment. But when it finished its process, it brought forth death. And death is horrible. Death is ugly. Nobody wants death. And I think when people sin, they're not looking far enough down the road to realize this is not going to end well. I don't care what it is. Sin is not going to end well for you. This process is recorded in both New and Old Testaments, by the way. How does a man get addicted to pornography? And that's a massive addiction in our society because of cell phones and accessibility. I had a man in his late 20s come into my office years ago. And he brought his little woman in with him. And she was a beautiful girl, beautiful girl. I mean, a man would be lucky to have a woman that beautiful. A nice personality, nice-looking uh, girl, nice-talented girl. He 
was a hulk of a man. He was a weightlifter. He was massive. I mean, he had shoulders like this. I mean, just, you know, 30-inch waist, massive broad muscles. I mean, you could tell that boy had been in the gym some. And, I mean, he was strong. He came in there, sat down, and I said, what are you here for? And they said, well, she began to talk. She says, my husband is addicted to pornography. I said, what? This is, this is doable. We can beat this. We can beat this son. And she said, I take it as an insult when he's looking at other women rather than me. I said, well, you should. That makes sense to me. I mean, if he loves you, then he loves you. If he, otherwise, he's looking at these other women. He loves them and you, and that's not going to work out. That's not going to be good. Because marriage has to do with exclusivity. I know when you take your vows, uh, pretty soon you're going to say, I choose this man above every other man in the world. And he's going to say, I choose this woman more than any other woman in the world. And that's a serious vow before God. And this old boy, he, he leaned forward, he put his head in his hands, and he began to weep. Now, I mean cry like a baby. I mean weep. I'm not talking cry. He, he wept. I mean shook. His whole body was shaking as he wept. But when he got himself together a little bit, I said, are you willing to quit pornography? He says, I have been watching pornography since I've been like 11 years old. I've never missed a day, but I haven't watched it. I have to watch it. I said, you don't have to watch it. You can break free. Christ is going to help you. He can help you break free. He says, preacher, I don't even know what that's like. I said, your wife's making you a, making you a proposition right here. It's her or the pornography. That's basically what she told him. It's me or the pornography. You're going to have to choose. And he said, I have to choose the pornography. And she was stunned. You're going to choose the pornography over me? A real woman stand? I mean, I'm, I'm real. The pornography is not real. It's images. It's la-la land. It's not real. You're going to choose imagination? Over oh, me, who bear your children and, and, and be your wife and your friend, your companion. He said, I, he just wept again. He was broken. He said, yes. And he left my office a total slave. And they got divorced. How did that happen? I'm going to show you. I'm going to try to explain it to you to where you get it and go home with it. God reads what you meditate on. How does it happen that these two boys got in a position where they were total slaves? Well, it's God reads what you meditate on. What occupies your secret chambers of your imagination? What occupies your secret thoughts when nobody else is around? There's nobody there. There's nobody will know what you're thinking. And you meditate. What you meditate on. The Bible says, as a man thinketh, so is he. And so, if you think about what you think about in private is not really private. There's somebody listening in. It's God. God's listening in 
and knows every imagination and thought of the heart, the Bible says. Now that'll make you think about maybe a little about some of the things you've been thinking about. God is sitting there listening and, and watching, if I may say, knows what you're, knows what you're thinking. And, and if you think about God and you think about righteousness, why do we memorize Scripture? We memorize Scripture so that you got something to think about. Amen? You can't just tell somebody, quit thinking about this and not put anything else to think about. You're going to go crazy. Pretty soon you'll be back thinking about this over here. Well, what, the, what God says, Thy word have I hid in mine heart that I might not sin against thee. That's what David said. I, I've th- I want to put God's word in here so that when I'm, hey, when I get tempted, I start saying Bible verses, man. I start quoting Bible verses. You say, well, I don't know any. That's not my fault. That's your fault. I like Jim not because he's got tenacity, brother. He's going to put something up in that head of his, whether it resists him or not. God bless you, brother. You're a real inspiration to me. So what you think about in private, God sees. And if you want to be righteous and you think about righteousness, then God will let you be righteous. He'll cause you, he'll help you to be righteous in your thinking. Now I'm talking about born-again believer here. We're not saved by efforts of the flesh. Once we trust Christ our Savior, God gives us the Holy Spirit and He gives us the power of God. And both of these people that were in my office both claimed very seriously to be born-again Christians. And He'll deliver you from the strange woman and He'll deliver you from the chains of addiction and lusts and sin. Because sin, when it is finished, bringeth forth death. But it all starts with lust. Lust is defined as passionate desire. It's, 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 a, it's an emotion that we have. It's a desire that we have. We can lust after the Word of God. Oh, you can lust after righteousness. And it will work in you to the end of the end of that is life. Good, wonderful. The ending is beautiful. But it all starts with lust. When lust is conceived, it brings forth sin. When the process of sin is finished, it brings forth death. The conception of lust is first. The birth of sin is second. The end of it is death. Now, that was introduction. Now let's go to the Bible study. Proverbs 22, 14. I hope you can get that and remember this. It's a hard verse to find, but it's worth a search. Proverbs 22, 14. The mouth of a strange woman is a deep pit. He that is abhorred of the Lord shall fall therein. Now, did you realize, you probably didn't, some of your old Bible study students, Bible, Bible students knew it, but by the way, that's Ellie Young. I remembered her name after I went back there. Good to see you, Ellie. I have what they call delayed memory. How does somebody get abhorred, abhorred by the Lord? That's big. 
You mean God can abhor people? He actually does abhor certain people. Ecclesiastes chapter 7 verse 26 says, I find more bitter than death the woman whose heart is snares and nets and her hands as bands. Whoso pleaseth God shall escape from her, but the sinner shall be taken by her. Psalm chapter 106, and verse 35 through 40, talking about the children of Israel, God's children, children of Israel. He says they, they got abhorred by the Lord, by the way. This group did. How'd that happen? Well, here it is. In verse 35, it says they were mingled among the heathen, and they learned the work, their works. They served their idols, which were a snare unto them. Yea, they sacrificed their sons and their daughters unto devils. They shed innocent blood. Now, if that isn't abortion, what is? But there's more than abortion, but that's at least there. Even the blood of their sons and their daughters, whom they sacrificed unto the idols of Canaan, and the land was polluted with blood. I got to give you the bad news. Once the land is polluted with blood, there's no saving it. Thus were they defiled with their own works and went a whoring with their own inventions or imaginations. And they, and they created the THIA plus group. That's the trans homo immoral adultery plus group. You know, everybody's into this L-G-B-Q-T-Y-S-D thing. Well, I got the T-H-I-A plus trans-homo-immoral adultery group. Therefore was the wrath of the Lord kindled against the people insomuch as he abhorred his own inheritance. And you know the story. You know what happened to Israel when they got, when they got to the place where God abhorred them. But you say, well, that's, a, that's God's children. He gets to that place with God's children. What about the unsaved people? Does God get to the place where he abhors groups of unsaved people? He does. In Leviticus chapter 20, verse 23, even the heathen can be into this place. And he said to them, he says, you shall not walk in the manners of the nations which I cast out before you. For they committed... All these things, now I know you don't have a context to that, but I'm going to give you one. If you read Leviticus chapter 20 uh, and the verses that come in from 1 to 22, you'll see what he's talking about. What does that mean? And you can define that for yourself. I'm not going to take the time this morning, but it's a whole list of wicked things, things you may not even have thought about, things that you didn't think people ever did, things that you may not have had exposure to is listed in Leviticus chapter 21 through 22. So in verse 23 it says, And don't walk in the manner of the nation which I've cast out before you, for they committed all these things, that's what's above, and therefore I abhorred them. There it is. So when a person lusts on things that God abhors, God begins to convict them and warn them to stop. They keep lusting, though not physically doing the things they're imagining. They're not physically doing the things they're imagining. But God sees it. It grieves him. 
And I, I talked to this a, a few Sundays ago. There is an end to the mercy and grace of God. And so what happens is you eventually cross that invisible line where no more is God going to look on you and try to help you and convict you and stop you from going to the, the ends of, which is the end of death. He's not going to stop you anymore. In fact, he's going to give you over to it to where you have to do it. Ooh, that's addiction. That's addiction. You do it, and you, maybe you could walk away. But you do it again. Maybe even then you can walk away. You do it again. Maybe even then you could walk away. But there comes a time when God says, I'm giving you hope. You want it? You're going to get it. He told them, the children of Israel and the world of and said, we want meat. We want meat. He said, I'll give you, we want this quail. He gave them three foot deep of quail. He says, you're going to eat quail till it comes out your nostrils. Now, you, all you people in this room that have thrown up before. When it comes out your nose, that is really bad. And God said, you're going to eat quail. I'm going to give you what you want, but you're going to throw it up till it comes out your nose. You're going to hate quail. This is a solid Bible doctrine as John 3.16. So a person begins to lust after things that God wants them. God says, stop, 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 stop. And then God says, you're going to do it. And you're going to be a slave to it. And you're going to receive the punishment for it. Death. Basically it is you get what you want, but you don't want what you get. And what's, verse, what's that verse in James, that last verse? It says, do not err, my beloved brethren. What am I here for this morning? I'm trying to help you not to do this. You don't have to go down this road. God is reading your most inner thoughts this morning. If you have righteous thoughts and godly thoughts and you want to concentrate them in that area, God will, will cause you to stand. If it's for sin, eventually you'll be given over to it. Revelation 20, verse 14, 15, a well-known passage, death and hell were cast in the lake of fire. This is the second death. Whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. That's the end of following your lusts, which turns into sin. And sin, when it is finished, bringeth forth death. Nothing good. You don't have to be like that muscle-bound, middle-aged man in my office. You don't have to be like that guy that, the guy that came in that was teeth rotted out, that lost his wife, his child, his job, his health, and everything that made a difference. You don't have to do that. You don't have to. You say, Brother Bill, that won't be me. Really? Really? I end with this, there's no conning God. You can't fake it till you make it with God. There's no hiding the real you. God will give you the fruit of your lusts. 
if you will not repent and turn to him. Then when lust hath conceived, it bringeth forth sin. And sin, when it is finished, bringeth forth death. Preachers all across the world, in the name of Jesus, are trying to keep people from that fate by preaching the Bible and the Word of God and the gospel of Jesus Christ. Christ died for you according to the Scriptures. He was buried and rose again the third day for you according to the Scriptures. He came to save you from this fate. Don't you be a victim. Be a victor. Father, help us this morning. May the Holy Spirit guide and direct the words that were spoken. Anything that's been misspoken, take from the memory of these folks. You know I wouldn't want to say one thing outside of what I know is true in the Bible. But we pray that you would help these people and the ones listening in whatever format it may go out. My God, that you'd cause your word to penetrate through to the long-term memory. And when the old devil comes by and tries to get them to daydream about some wicked thing, that they'd say, oh, nope. Nope, that's not who I am. And that's not who I want to be. And Lord Jesus, help me. You may be here. You may, this battle I've just described may be your battle this morning. You, you may be doing something not, a, other, not one other soul knows about, but you know God knows about it. And God will call you short. God forbid that he ever gives you over to it. Born again Christian, there's no, no excuse for us who have the light. Help us to turn from darkness. God, do a great work this morning in Jesus' name. Amen. If you would like to know more about the Lord Jesus Christ, you may contact us at the church website, gospelbaptistchurch.com, or you can go to Facebook and type in Gospel Baptist Church Bonita Springs, Florida. Also, you could call the church office at 239-947-1285. Thank you, and God bless.